District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to District of Conservation. This is your host, Gabriella Hoffman. I have a short and sweet episode for you today, but before I discuss this really important development from Virginia, I want to briefly share with you guys what I'll be up to for the next few weeks. As you know, I've been filming a lot for my CFACT Conservation Nation series, and my travels are going to take me to Texas this week. And then next week, I'm going to head over to the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, specifically Montana and Wyoming, to film about bear conservation. So you're going to see that from me over the next few weeks. I'll post some little behind-the-scenes stuff, but my travels take me to some really interesting places, and I'm trying to cover this before fall, and then I'm going to have a break and a reprieve. But you'll see a lot of Conservation Nation content from me and CFACT coming up. At some point, I also want to have our videographer Madison Hughes come on the podcast to talk about navigating filming in kind of the outdoor conservation space. She normally does storytelling projects in other fields, but she's really loved working with us and she has really adapted quite well. So I want to get her perspective. We're going to sit down with her at some point over the next two weeks and and bring an episode with her. But I also will have a few more guests coming up and I'll talk about that later on in the podcast today. But we're going to talk about the phenomenal news about Virginia finally getting an elk tag. I'm going to break down those details from what we already know, given available information and what's been codified into Virginia law. So stay with me, get excited, because elk in Virginia, it's something to celebrate. A few weeks ago, the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources, I still have to get used to their new name, released 2021 to 2022 trapping and hunting regulations updates. Virginia Elk Tag, the special elk license, is going to be revealed and released and open for us through a random license program starting next year. And here is what you need to know about this. This is how the DWR describes the forthcoming special elk hunting license. Then I'm going to talk about exactly what it entails, the special licenses and such. Now for the elk, Virginia's first elk hunting season within the elk management zone in Buchanan, Dickinson and Wise counties, those are southwestern Virginia and coal country, will occur in 2022. Interested individuals can apply for a special elk hunting license for the EMZ beginning February 2022. Further information will be posted on the department's website by December 2021. However, I did a little digging because the Virginia elk tag became law, something, probably a rare agreement I have with my governor. But I was applauding him and the Virginia General Assembly, which unanimously voted in the special elk license in the previous session in 2020. In March 2020, the elk tag became law. And it's really quick, quite a quick turnover. It's amazing how quickly the elk license materialized and how next year we'll be able to, all of us Virginians and even a few of you non-residents, will be able to partake in the hunt. And... For those of you who don't know, Virginia has a weird kind of hunting season relating to elk. So even though you can't hunt directly in this three-county zone, the EMZ, for some reason, interestingly enough, hunters have been able to take out elk outside of the EMZ during any open deer season, but it's kind of not encouraged. So wait until the elk hunting season begins for you guys to do that. But we have had elk hunting a little bit informally alongside our deer season, but that was 
interesting to note. But I've chronicled this before. I've gone to see the Virginia elk herd, and just the story is magnificent. Whether you're a hunter, non-hunter, someone who loves wildlife, I think we can all agree that this is a conservation success. And this is largely due to the efforts of landowners, specifically Leon Boyd, who I've interviewed, who is a tremendous individual. Without him, really, this project would not have taken off. He was just so vigilant about it, so adamant about it as a hunter. And he assembled a group of volunteers through the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. They've worked alongside DWR biologists. There have been many different stakeholders throughout this process. And actually, the new state chair, Danny Danny Smedley, reminded me that this was a process in the making for over 30 years. And for much of the 20th, early 20th century, there was back and forth about reintroducing elk after they were extirpated from the region. There was too much market hunting leading to the decimation of what was previously known as the Eastern elk. And someone told me recently that the Eastern elk was a lot smaller compared to the Rocky Mountain elk, which were tr- uh, transferred here from the Kentucky herd. So the Rocky Mountain elk is a lot bigger than what was originally here. So it's a okay trade-off. It's kind of impossible to restore the eastern elk. The last elk of this species, subspecies, was reported in Clark County in 1855. And that really, and, and how the eastern elk was so depleted here in Virginia, led to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation to start their eastern elk initiative. So they have different herds across Arkansas, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, North Carolina, Tennessee, and maybe a few more states in the future. Also West Virginia, how could I forget that? And here in Virginia as well. But it wasn't until a turning point in 2012 when elk started to be reintroduced here. And initially, 75 elk were brought from the Kentucky herd to Buchanan County, which is home to Grundy, which is the elk capital of Virginia in southwestern Virginia against the backdrop of active well drilling, Previously used coal fields, reclaimed coal fields, which is actually excellent habitat for elk, if you don't know that already. And after the elk tag license went into effect and kind of a condition for this hunt to take place that that was laid out in the 2019 to 2028 elk management plan by our agency was that the herd had to meet a minimum of 400 individuals for this lottery hunt to take place. And I had that confirmed to me by Danny Smedley that it was a great season this past year, and, and last spring was phenomenal, too, where a lot of calves were born. So that led them to determine that, yeah, we've reached the threshold for recovery, so we can allow a highly regulated managed hunt for that. And right now, you're probably wondering how many elk tags are available, what is the process for a resident and non-resident. And I was coming through Virginia Code, and here's what I can share with you from what I understand. I was told that there's probably a ballpark of a handful of tags that'll be available. There's no information made available yet by the Department of Wildlife Resources, and I don't want to preempt them or put out any wrong information. I've been told different numbers, but we're going to wait till December to know exactly. But you're going to apply for two things when the hunt becomes available to apply for in February of 2022 next year. You will have to apply for a non-refundable application fee and a special elk license. So like I said, March 2020, the law established the special elk hunting license. And what you're going to do if you're interested in this. So if you're a resident, you're going to pay a non-refundable fee of $15. And if you're a non-resident, you're going to pay $20. The special elk license fee 
will be 40 bucks for residents and 400 for non-residents, which is typical. It's not unfair. That's actually a steal for those of us who live here in Virginia. The non-refundable fee will be made available annually. What we've already been told according to Virginia code is that the draw for the elk license will occur between February 1st and March 30th of next year. The winners who will be selected for the special elk tags will be notified by May 30th of that year. And if you're notified that you drew a tag, you'll have 30 days from notification date to purchase the license. Then your license will be non-transferable if you're selected next year and beyond. However, you have to be aware of this. You won't be able to receive a special elk tag license for a period of three years. So maybe they want to kind of make the process equitable. So the same people are not drawing time and time again and maybe diversifying the applicants who apply. So it's interesting, but yeah, you won't, once you get it and you successfully harvest a elk, you won't be eligible for three years, maybe until the herd grows bigger, but that was kind of the reasoning behind this. And like I had mentioned, while the number of tags haven't been disclosed for residents and non-residents, however, it was revealed according to the updated Virginia code that non-resident applicants won't comprise more than 10% or one drawn applicant, whichever is greater, of all drawn applicants in any application pool for the random drawing license program. And there are going to be two interesting categories. I think they're going to set aside some tags for several programs. So they're going to have a conservation license program and a landowner license program. And I've heard chatter that they're going to have a governor's tag too, not confirmed yet, but other states have offered that. So we could possibly see that. And then perhaps a remainder of that will go towards residents and non-residents. But this conservation license program. So for qualifying wildlife conservation organizations, they'll be eligible to apply for a tag to auction off to their members or through auction or whatever. If their mission is to promote and ensure the conservation of Virginia's wildlife resources or to promote opportunities for hunting, fishing, trapping, boating, and other wildlife-related recreation within Virginia. within Virginia, So you'll expect and hear about the conservation license program as part of the special elk tag as well. Moreover, if you're a landowner and you're interested in leasing your land or having um, your property be participating in the elk hunt, you'll be able to get some perks through the landowner license program, where landowners will have to open up a minimum of 50 acres to elk hunting. The proposed landowner license program will require eligible landowners to open a minimum of 50 acres to elk hunting. And if they follow the rules, they accrue enough points, they'll be eligible to receive one either sex special elk tag hunting license. The hunt itself, when is it going to last? So it'll last for approximately seven days. The elk season will be about seven days. So they say from the second Saturday in October through the following Friday, both days inclusive. And you'll be able to hunt on both private and public land. You'll need special landowner permission if you're hunting private. And we'll learn more about where on public lands in the EMZ you'll be able to hunt. But there are some stipulations, of course. And you will not be able to hunt with dogs or use rifles with calibers below 0.23 of a caliber in the taking of the elk. That's kind of what we know preliminarily about the hunt. And like the DWR mentioned, probably all the final details, probably the number of tags that'll be made available will be posted in December, but this is such a cool development. And as someone who's seen the herd, gotten to know the folks down there, all the stakeholders, just kind of seeing how wonderful and and important their presence is. It's not just the hunt that's going to generate a lot of revenues and money for the region, which has been really 
impoverished and hurt, especially with economic downturns, anytime there's, I hate to say this, anytime there's an administration that doesn't like or really admonishes coal and traditional oil and gas exploration, that region always is adversely affected. They also have natural disasters. It's just, you know, they, they've gone through a lot, but they're very sturdy, tough people. And I think the hunt combined with wildlife viewing opportunities to see the elk will help them in their quest to be a little more prosperous. And if you go down there and you get a chance to hunt there at some point, let's say you win the elk tag, or you just want to see the herd, it really is a magical place. And don't be deterred by the distance going there. The people are lovely. And you'll see that it's not like your typical metropolis. It's not a wealthy, affluent suburban area of Virginia. It's a very different place, but it's a very important place. And these people should hold a special place in our heart and their efforts should not go unnoticed especially with regard of restoring the elk. So that is exciting. I'm definitely going to enter. I probably have miles to go before I can be an elk hunter, but I want to try and apply. Who knows what will happen? And maybe I'll hire a guide if I were to win and, and get the tag. But and we'll see what happens with the process. But it's really cool. If you're in Virginia, you're a Virginia hunter, get excited about this. And even if you're not in Virginia, you're non-resident, you're from Carolina, West Virginia, Maryland even, you should be interested to apply as well and see if you guys will be able to qualify. Like I had mentioned early in the podcast, I will be traveling. So there will be a lot less content here on the podcast for the next few weeks. However, I will be delivering a few interviews for you next week as well. We're just going to have one this week, just this podcast episode. But next Monday, you will hear an interview I conducted with the Federal Forest Research Coalition, specifically their executive director, and learn about wildfire management, forest management, what we can expect this year. We've heard a lot about different wildfires out west. They've been really tough and very big and problematic, and it seems like there's a lack of interest to tackle this issue. People kick it down the road. We have an administration now that doesn't believe in forest management. Sorry to say that, but they don't. They're preservationist in their philosophy, and they think that they're going to be hamstringed by their radical environmentalist special interest donors, probably Sierra Club, probably NRDC. So we're not going to really see anything at the federal level addressing this issue. But I want to get a perspective from FFRC Executive Director Bill Bergamo. So we're going to have a really cool conversation with him. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. We're also going to talk about a very weird petition that is circulating to the Department of Interior put out by Sierra Club and the NRDC to essentially limit the transport, interstate transport of wild game and any other animal parts that are legally harvested, let's say that you bring home from an out-of-state hunt. So they're framing it as a issue to address exotic wildlife, stop the threat of COVID, and all this type of stuff. So they're trying to use the coronavirus pandemic to stop people from hunting. That's actually something Sportsman's Alliance pointed out. And I talked to Jonathan from the Pacific Legal Foundation. We've had him before, and he's also with Perk. He's a new vice president of theirs great environmental lawyer. And I was like, Hey, have you seen this? And so we're going to have him at some point, come on, we're going to have the sportsman's Alliance guys come on too. But that's something we're also going to touch upon next Tuesday as well, because this could adversely affect hunters under this really weird framing that they've put, but not surprisingly, they're very upset about hunting. They dislike it. And they're trying to find maybe a regulatory 
framework, they're trying to find a regulatory loophole to do this. I would hope the Department of Interior pushes back this effort because hunting and fishing contribute largely to conservation dollars. So if they pursue this and take this rule into account, there's going to be a lot of blowback. And they already have a lot of distrust by hunters and other sportsmen already because of just the conservationist approach they've taken. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode. Really appreciate you listening to District of Conservation. 